What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Do you know how to find the right oil for your car? Now you can find out quickly and easily online thanks to Castrol's Rego to Oil tool. Simply type in your Rego, select your state, and within seconds you'll know the best Castrol products to unlock the edge of performance in your car. So what's your car best suited to? Just search Rego, the number two, and oil and find out. A Motorsport Podcast Network production. G'day there, folks. Great to have you with me. I'm Aaron Noonan. Welcome along for another week to the V8 Salute podcast polished by Bowden's own premium car care. Available at Repco in Australia and New Zealand, as well as a range of other auto stores. Now, if you liked part one of my chat with Steve Owen that we recently released, there's good news ahead right here, right now. There's more in this part two episode from the man that we've dubbed as something of a supercars enigma. In the first part of our chat, he covered off the pathway that he took to getting to V8 supercars, and it's a very unlikely one when you think about it. I mean, for a guy who didn't push himself, promote himself, uh, run out there with the media left, right and centre, he relied on his talent, his driving ability, and meeting the right people at the right times to get the brakes that he needed to work his way into the scene. So we left off part one of the chat with him leaving his contract with Brightech Motorsport a year early and heading to Rod Nash Racing to drive an ex-Paul Morris Motorsports Commodore. So on this part two, we dive into his supercars career from that point forward, which was 2006. We talk about that unbelievably scary scenario in Adelaide at the Clipsal 500 when he went, well, nine eyes inside the Autobahn Commodore. Uh, the return to Formula Ford, the return to the Super 2 Series, the brief stop at Walkinshaw Racing and then stints with Triple Eight, Paul Morris Motorsports, Ford Performance Racing, and of course along the way winning on the Gold Coast with Jamie Winkup and the Sandown 500 with Mark Winterbottom. So, settle in. Enjoy this one. It's part two of Steve Owen on the V8 Salute podcast, polished by Bowden's own premium car care. So for 06 and 07, it's it's Rod Nash's team. He's got a franchise. It's the 55. It's the Autobahn car. Yep. Um, it's prepped and run by Marty Brandt, uh, independent race cars in Melbourne, who had run Port Umbrella in development series when you were with Mike Emery. Oscar Fioranotto was engineering from memory yep. in one of those years or both those years, I can't remember. Yep. Um, so little team, single car, one of the dude's cars, I think it was Colin, wasn't yeah. it? It was the next one yeah, in the Yeah, it was the next one from Bam Bam. Yeah, because so. it was A, B, C, D, E. Yeah. I think they got up to about mm, N, O, somewhere about there. Um, but the thing that springs to me, and I remember it vividly, and it was so scary, was at Adelaide in 2006. Yep. And we always talk about how the heat affects the drivers. It was so hot and they worked for many years to channel the exhaust different ways and do all sorts of stuff to try to help the drivers out. But you ended up in probably the most perilous health situation I've ever seen of a supercar driver in a car Yeah, where you ended up non-ice yeah. in a really bad way. Yeah, so for, I hadn't driven the car before, before practice, so turn up there. Stuck it just out of the top ten in qualifying, so which was probably further than we thought because we thought, oh, it's a last-minute deal and we'll just do our best. So everything was going really well. 
well, how good is this? Made the right choice. And then I just remember in the race, course it failed. And I remember thinking, I can't, it was just such a good opportunity. I can't pull in and say I'm too hot. I'll just, you know, so I thought I'll just keep going. I don't want to be a whinger. Yeah, either. yeah, yeah. I, I'll keep going. It's not a good first impression. I knew I was battling a bit, but I thought if I finish, and back in those days, if you finished on the lead lap, you're probably P15, mm. you know. So I thought if I finish on the lead lap and then come back tomorrow, we'll fix cool soup. I could still leave top 10 in the championship. And you start where you finish as well in yeah, those that's, days. Yeah, that's so right, yeah. Makes sense, yeah. So I thought I'll just carry on here and, yeah, it didn't go so well. What happened? I can't really remember. I just remember I remember I was battling. I remember having to close one eye at one stage because I was like, I can't really see probably. And then I'm pretty sure I accidentally unclipped one of the belts trying to loosen it because I thought if I loosen the belts, the cool seat might work a bit better. And I, I remember one of them came out and I thought, oh, that's all right. I've like got. Out of the actual buckle. Yeah. And oh. I remember thinking, oh, the others. But by this stage, it was kind of like being blind drunk. Like I, I didn't have the best thought process. And I thought, oh, I'll just keep charging on. But in the end, I didn't get close. I think I was like 20 laps short. But you so, were, I, I remember standing on the pit wall. I, was, I think I was at Holden Power at the time. And it was weird mm. because you were driving around basically semi conscious. Yeah. Yeah. And pulling gears at weird points yeah. and slowing and starting. And, yeah. And of course, so this is a this is your mind just going, I'm not stopping. I yeah. can't stop. I, just, I won't stop. I just got to keep going. Mm. And then your body stopped for you. Yeah, I, I just passed out at some stage. So well, and luckily though, wasn't it in the it was in the runoff road down at turn nine? Like, luckily it wasn't because I remember you coming to a halt down there in the, at the hairpin. I think for memory, because I'd passed out, I luckily came off the throttle, so I, I rattled around the outside fence at turn eight, and then just idled down to the turn nine and crashed mm. into the fence at walking speed. Didn't do much damage to the car, luckily, mm. but um, yeah, and then woke up in the hospital. And I, I just remember seeing the chaplain at the end of the bed and I thought – and they said, oh, you've had a big crash. I'm like, oh, that's not good. Mm. <laughs> and the chaplain's standing there I'm like, oh, this is not good. And I was like a Simpsons character. I was all yellow because I'd had – it breaks down your muscle and blocks your kidneys and all that sort of stuff. Because the dehydration. Yeah, the just, lack of just, just the extreme fluid. body temperature. So I was like – You just basically cooked for the inside. I was 42 and a half degrees when I got to the Adelaide Hospital, which they Jeez. said is the highest I've ever, ever seen. The doctor's like, I need to talk to someone, make sure this doesn't happen again because you, you're, nearly, you're nearly dead, you know. Mm. I, I just remember looking at myself going, geez, I'm all yellow. I look this like I'm a, in the Simpsons. Yeah, like – um, so, like, obviously recovered, um, had some kidney function tests uh, just to make sure everything was okay. Um, and what was interesting, which is I remember seeing someone where they took a blood test and he was showing me all the heavy metals in the blood that, because back in those days we didn't have forced air. Mm. So, and I remember after every bathurst I would just be horrendously crook. Like headaches. A, yeah, headache, yeah. couldn't sleep, just, just felt beaten up, which I just always put down to – Big week, big yeah. Race, Bathurst, the tartar stuff, but it's just all all the all the toxins in your blood. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So luckily, it uh, made a recovery and made sure the cool suit was a premium after that. Yeah. Yeah. Because you spent a couple of days in hospital. After yeah, that? spent three days in hospital. Yeah. Um, and that was the Saturday, so they wouldn't clean me to race on the Sunday. Funnily enough, <laughs> even though the car was <laughs> the car was fine. Yeah, you hadn't smashed it up too. No, nah, but um, yeah, I had to had to watch from. From TV, from the hospital bed, which wasn't much fun. Not a good spectator. <laughs> Did that make you more aware of that stuff being more important for the future? Because man, that was yeah, so close. So Absolutely. Close. I, 
didn't know enough about it back in those days. I just thought being hydrated was a couple of, you know. Just drink some water drink, the night drink before. Drink plenty of water. And, yeah, all that sort of stuff. And then I had a – we got a, a trainer in and we said, right, this is the plan. It's, you've got to hydrate the week leading up to the race, carb loading and all that sort of stuff, ice baths and all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, it did change a lot because mm. I, I, some, some guys had had problems but I was probably the first one that actually – probably had a snooze so yeah, yeah. and once once we realized how serious it was when i got to the hospital that um yeah it changed it changed the preparation quite a lot mm. never good when you uh you wake up in the chaplains at the foot of your bed and you look like bart simpson That's- yeah and they told me i had a huge crash i'm thinking well this is this putting all the pieces together is not good no <laughs> so because do you it was almost like the lights went out and you don't remember much about it? Pretty much. I, I, the last I remember was probably 10 laps before I crashed and then I remember waking up in the hospital but I couldn't talk. I remember being freaked out because I knew what I wanted to say but it was like I, I couldn't talk. Oh. I had f- physically no ability to talk. So, <laughs> Well, some would say that you don't talk very much anyway so yeah, it probably yeah. wasn't that much different to normal. <laughs> but I was trying to ask questions because I'm like – where what, am I? What happened? Yeah. Like, yep. And I just literally could not communicate with the. Wow, that's yeah. scary. Mm. Luckily, that that came back. That came back. So that little two year period with uh, that team. I mean, you had Tony Longhurst with you for the Endurance the first year. Yep. Tony Delberto for the next year. Yeah. Like you were top six, seven, eight at Bathurst in both of those years. Yeah. So that again, your Bathurst resume here is, you know, some more really nice results here in a car that's not a main game. You know, in terms of a big teams car. Yeah. So the reputations building and growing here but again you nearly find you find yourself out so yeah because i think rod nash did a deal for his franchise to go to the delbertos and did that sort of just mean that that evaporated under you basically yeah so the end of the second year rod was really good about it like he yeah most of the time they don't tell drivers till after the last <laughs> round but rod said look you probably deserve to be in the car but for the we're losing the sponsor the car had to be upgraded he had some legal stuff going on in the background with some franchise stuff. I think Some franchise stuff, yeah. So there was stuff, a, there yeah. was a lot of a lot Wills going on from his end. Team dynamic, yeah. So look, I'm, I'm actually going to have to close this down and lease the franchise out. And obviously, you're not going to be able to get with the franchise. So um, yeah, got to which is a little bit disappointing, obviously. But just just after three years, we're just starting to get to that point of running. Um, but probably hadn't cemented your place in the in the main series at that stage. So yeah, it was. Just another one of those things where you go, okay, it's not ideal, but mm, you it gotta, is what it is. Yeah, yeah. So it's a case of rebuild. We've got to do this again. <laughs> We've done this a few times over the journey here. Yeah, yeah. And then the development series, um, Tinter Car opportunities. Scott Lodeson's got an X again. Yeah. Paul Morris car. Is Ryan McLeod tied into all this? I'm, I'm sure he is. He's, he's always there. Yeah. And, and this so, works out to be. Was that a one-off deal to start with? Yeah, it was. So. Scott Lozman had a really good sponsor in Tinnacar and he had Ryan on his headset running. He said to Ryan, because Ryan had been involved in a lot of Morris cars, can you come and help me out? I'm struggling a bit. So the sponsor had said, look, we love doing this. And it was, it was good money back in those days. It was like 250 grand, which back in those days was pro- proper mm. sponsorship money. So the sponsor said, look, we want to do it again next year, but we want to go better. How do we go better? And so Ryan said, well, it's simple. You need to be the team owner and put a young bloke in the car. That's the only way you're going to go better. So they called me up and put me in the car at Clipsal 
no no practice again. Like this is another sort of thing that's a bit of a recurring thing. Mm. Yeah, I think I've heard this story. Yeah. Before, yeah. So turn up at Clipsal, won the round, and they said, "Okay, you better do the rest of the year." So I thought, "Put this is perfect." So I couldn't cement my place in the main game. Obviously, lost my ride. I'll go back to Super Two. I'll smash them. End up back in main game in 09. So it's only Good plan. yeah, Good it's, plan. it's only one year off the up out of the seat. So yeah, that that was the plan. Yeah. Well, you won the series, won the, so you got that bit right. Won the series with nearly a whole round to spare, so it was really all worked out well. Got to the end of the year, second, third, and fourth in the Dunlop series all went to main game, and I didn't. Mm. So that was when I realised. My off-track stuff is really bad. <laughs> I need to. <laughs> those guys can can get there without winning, and I'm not getting there winning. So, yeah, that's again when Ryan, Ryan was involved, and but luckily there was a silver lining with not doing the full-time gig in potentially not the best car, because then I got picked up at um, HRT for the Enduros. So that wasn't the end of the world, um, and that obviously gave me a chance to go to the Enduros in. in a really good car. Yeah, because there was a that 08 year was a DJR enduro gig with Luffy. Yep. Um, so the Brightech alumni combined. <laughs> yep. Um, there's the one off. You actually drove for Team Kiwi, remember, at the Gold Coast. I did drive. Yeah, I roll. drove for Team Kiwi, which I don't know if I'm the only Aussie to drive for Team uh, Kiwi. but I think Adam Macro had. Oh, uh, yeah. He yep. filled in for Radisic when he was still injured. Yeah. But I think – you and Dean Fiore might be the only other ones. Yeah, okay. And he was Team Kiwi for like a round before they ended up with the, the deal for, yeah. for him. So, so yeah, you still were getting some stuff. And I think that was the year you did. You got pole at the 12 hour too with the Kaduras boys in the Lancer. Um, That's right. The production car. Yeah. So you're getting, you know, okay, it's not main game, but you're, you're a bit of a gun for hire. There's the yeah. phone's ringing and stuff's happening. So yeah. this is still working out here. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So, um, and other teams were calling up and offering you gigs and I'm starting to get paid, you know, regularly for doing other things as well as supercars. So, it, yeah, it's it was sort of – even though I didn't have a main ride, I was still doing a lot of racing, mm. which was sort of good. I'd sort of – that momentum had built. And, and then when you're driving it for Walkinshaws, obviously that people go, oh, the bike drives for Walkinshaws. So that opens other doors as well. Mm. So that was 2009. And did you sign up there thinking you were going to drive for the Holden Racing Team? No, I knew I, knew, I, knew I was going to be in one of those cars – I knew I was going to be in the Autobahn car, which was same spec, but back in those days, as you remember, you could put the two drivers together, the main guys together, so all of a sudden you've got this Autobahn car that's not going to have the regular driver in it. Mm. But luckily I'd already had a relationship with them from six and seven, so then they went, well, the logical thing is to put this bloke that has already been on all the posters and done all the store appearances in the car. So it was same garage, but... I knew it wasn't going to be a HRT car, but it was close enough. Mm, yeah, same car underneath different stickers and different yep. cars. So you were with Shane Price. Shane Price, memory, that's yeah. Right. And, I was, and it was another year where I was a lead driver, so got to qualify and do all those sorts of things, which is important, and thought, yeah, here's another chance to try and hopefully stick the thing in the shootout and get some momentum. And? It, um, it car was fast. But it probably suffered from a little bit of the fourth car syndrome that you mm. see in the bigger teams. Mm. And then w- when we started the race, that was the year that it started wet. Yeah. And we went about five laps and went straight to slicks. As soon as I put the slicks on, I said, uh, there's something wrong with this thing. It had massive tail shaft vibration and 
there was something wrong with the map sensor. So it was running super, super rich. So we were horribly slow. This is like lap five. Well, this, this, this is going to be a long This is going to be a long day. And I remember thinking after, after about 20 laps, I'm thinking this thing's going to blow up for sure. And unfortunately it didn't. It just, <laughs> yeah, just, kept, driving it it. just kept going all day. <laughs> it was slow. It had massive vibration. And because it, it was a mapping issue, it was using so much fuel. <laughs> so <laughs> it was like, oh, no, this is bad. This is not what we, no, not no. What we needed. So it wasn't ideal. So, but it's a drive. You haven't missed a year. You've, you've added another top line team to your resume. Yep. Again, though, you've got to use the development series to re remind the world. So, yep. 2010, it's Greg Murphy Racing, yep. which is, in essence, a, it's a Tasman offshoot yep. type thing. Was that another of those scenarios where they went, right, we need a, a, a good, fast driver to show how our cars are good so that we've got some other young drivers and customers and stuff will. Look at what we're doing. Because was that another one year, one, one round thing that just absolutely, kept going? <laughs> yeah. So yeah. you had two one round deals that led to title wins. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you're right. It was one of those deals where they sort of had a few cars, um, and they'd moved from main series into Super Two, and I think they realised that you couldn't charge a premium if you're not getting results. And they sort of had three guys that were going to go okay, but no one that was really going to take the title. So, yeah, luckily they called me up and said, hey, do you want to, we've got enough money for you to do Clipsal and we can see what happens from there. And then same as 08, went to Clipsal, jumped in the car, didn't know what to expect, won the round, and then they said, hey, you better keep doing this. <laughs> so. Well, I've never heard of a race team that goes into a one first-round deal, leads the championship at the end of it, and then goes, nah, sorry, we can't do it anymore. Yeah. They always find a way. you got to find a way. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, and... And Kev Murphy was was amazing. He was really good commercially. So, yeah, he he went and did all that and found the money and then I just turned up and made wow. sure we kept winning, yeah. <laughs> yes, simple. You do that bit, he does that bit, yeah. it all works out. So 2010 is the year that you get the gig with Triple Eight Team Vodafone as it was then with yeah. co-driving with Jamie. Yep. Where did that all come from? Had that been a case that they'd seen you, your work and – because clearly at that time they had hit the peak. Like yep. they had just won the championship with Jamie. They just swapped to Holden. Yeah. Lowndes is in the other car. They're, you know, really on the on the roll. And I guess what, RD rings you? That's that's how it all comes together? So I was sitting in Macca's. <laughs> <laughs> all great things happen Every over at Cheeseburger. Every good story starts with I'm sitting in Macca's. And it's three, 3 o'clock in the afternoon, phone calls. And it was one of the Kelly boys. Hey, you got a gig? No, okay, I'll call you back. Two minutes later, another call. That's weird. Two minutes after that, another call. So all of a sudden, like... Well, every team's ringing you. Three teams called me within five minutes. And I'm and like... You know, I'm trying to eat my Big Mac here. Yeah, like, I'm like, what's out, going on here? This is weird. And then I'd, re- I'd realise that that was when they'd just come out of the board meeting and announced that you couldn't put your two drivers together. <laughs> so all of a sudden everyone's gone, hey, we need to get a decent a decent co-driver. Yeah, it actually really Bathurst, matters yeah. to get there. Yeah. So um, I... Knew Jamie a little bit, but just from doing some driver training work back in Melbourne, but not well. But he'd gone to RD and, and RD said, who do you want to get? Jamie said, go and get this bloke. So Roland calls me up. I remember the, the, the call. I was in Macca's and he says, hey, um, I've just spoken to Jamie. He told me I've got to go and get you and put you in the car. I don't really know you from a bar of soap, so you better come up here tomorrow just so I can check you don't have two heads. <laughs> That's, that's what he said. I remember it was like a, it was like a ten second phone call. I said, "Right, mate, I'll, I'll be on the first flight up tomorrow morning." So I flew up to Banyo, 
went and met him and, yeah, 10 minutes later we did the deal. I've got to imagine that um, the whole – that rule change that swapped it yeah. from you could pair them up to you can't pair them up and it stays in place, it's still there. Yeah. Any rule change like that, there's always winners and losers. Yeah, that's right. And I reckon that the winners had to be the co-drivers yeah, because absolutely. suddenly the premium went up, the importance of having the best available went up. Yeah. So therefore, surely the dollars, the money have went to up. Go absolutely. Up. Yeah. And yeah. that year there were three endurance rounds for you to do, so yeah. the money's got to go up again. Exactly right. Yeah. And all of a sudden, it was now proper money to drive just just for doing the enduros. But to be honest, I did also get paid pretty well back when the teams had to put someone fast in their second car just because mm. you've got to keep the sponsors happy. So yeah. they go, the bad news is we're not putting our regular driver in for Bathurst because we're putting him, they're pairing up. Good news is we've gone and got this bloke, he'll do a good job and mm. the sponsor goes, yeah, okay, we can wear that. So yeah. there was still a, a bit of money around to do, to be the main driver. But, yeah, certainly that year that um, – because you're all of a sudden part of their championship now, yeah, which is the thing. That's that, the other element. Yeah. Too. So yeah. Every, so yeah, everyone went we've, to win the championship. We need to get the right co-driver. Mm. So yeah, that was another one of those rule changes, like the pre-qualifying, that really worked in my advantage. Yeah. yeah. What did you pick up and see of Wink Up and Triple Eight that you didn't know or see before that you, you got you, you're up close there? You, you had yeah. a win on the Gold Coast. You were second at Bathurst. Yeah. You were, I think you were pole at Phillip Island, but there was a problem that delayed you guys. But what did you see and learn? And what did you learn about him? Yeah, Jamie's an interesting character, obviously, with his huge amount of success. But the first thing that probably occurred to me was when I drove the car and just felt like every car I've driven in the past, all the supercars feel, yeah, they've got little differences. But I remember Phillip Island, I think one of the first, just looked down at the dash and saw the lap time and went, oh, how long has this been going on for? <laughs> so much faster. Just so much faster, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and the team as well, like the team – was next level again. So it sort of made me think that was probably where my aspirations of racing against those guys and having, having raced against them in smaller teams like that Autobahn team, we used to fit in the one high car. There was six of us <laughs> for the whole team and racing against those guys. And they and, had about eight minibuses. Yeah, and I went, okay, okay, now I see why we used to get flogged. Yeah. And I remember – that was my first pole as well. So I stuck it on pole at Phillip Island. Oh, that was when we started doing those co-driver races yeah. and all that jazz. Yeah, That's and right. so yeah. the co-drivers actually got a set of greens and had to go and qualify. And I came back from the driver's briefing and they've got the car in a million bits after I've just qualified on pole. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, what, what's happening? What? And they're like, no, that's all right, mate. You know, I'm, I'm used to the old school where if you qualify on pole, you stick it full of fuel and go and run, Leave it. try and win the race. So these guys were that good. They just knew – what to change from qualifying to the race. So it was amazing seeing them work because they're just all over everything, you know. Mm, mm. A whole mm. other world. Yeah. You're in a new universe here. Yeah. At that yeah. point, did that make you go, uh, this is how the other half live? I've got no chance to go. Why would I go back and drive a full-time car for some, you know, second half of the field team when this stuff's going on? Pretty, like, mu I, pretty I could much. could just do this and this would be good. Pretty much, yeah. Like I and to go to Bathurst, all of a sudden with the expectation that you're going to win, you go in there and like we finished second that year, and Jamie and myself were like, "That's, that's a bit of a letdown." <laughs> <laughs> Whereas five years earlier, if I had finished second, I would have been doing yeah. backflips. Yeah, yeah. So it was just a different mindset, and yeah, that's um, that's probably what made me think mm, this is not so bad. Mm. And the other thing that happened, which was a pleasant sort of side effect of that, was that. When you became a Triple Eight driver, 
all of a sudden, all these other categories called me. I was, I was racing GT full time. I was at the 12 hour. I was doing this and doing that because they just looked at you and went, oh, that guy drives a triple eight. And if he's good enough for them, he's good enough yeah, for so us. Yeah, so all of a sudden the phone started ringing and that 2010 year, I worked out that I was, I'd spent over 100 days in a race car that mm. year. So Big. Yeah, and f- for me as well, that was just, that was probably when I look back when I was probably at my top of my game because I just was spending so much time in a race mm. car. Mm. Plus all the stuff that you do, driver training and you do ride days and you do – all sorts, like that's a yeah, huge amount of time. and back in those days they had a ride car program. So they had their own de- – Triple H had their own dedicated team just for ride days. So we did 15 or so ride days. Mm. Um, and I've, I've got a mate who told me I've got to tell this story, so I probably should. Oh, but, um, let it rip, let it rip. So we're at Sandown's on a ride day in that Folden, remember the – It was the Falcon chassis with the Commodore panels and yep, the Falcon engine. that, that yeah. one. Fordador, yeah. it's had a few names. Yep. Yeah, and they said to me, look – with the passenger, particularly the bigger ones, try and stay off the curbs because it's hard on the car. And I thought, okay, that's fair. But I thought to myself, oh, I'm, and Sandown's quite a hard track to get on. So I thought, this is fantastic laps because it's. It's not really open it's very It's not often really open. It's that. hard yeah, to get yeah, to. So yeah. here we are on this ride day. I thought, no, I've got, I've, got to, I've got to use this as a practice. It's too good an opportunity. So here I am smashing over the curbs with passengers. And I do all morning. That's all good. Jump out. Lounsey jumps in, does two laps, front suspension falls out of it. <laughs> and they're like, oh, Lounsey, come on, mate, we've told you. And I'm just slowly creeping back into the <laughs> corner of the workshop. <laughs> I'm like, oh. Maybe they're right about that, keep keeping off the curbs business. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think they were telling you for a reason, too, a reason. Um, that opened the door to you getting your first supercar win, the Gold Coast 2010. And yep. that awesome finish where Jamie and Shane have mm. that absolute war right at the end there, which was one of the best V8 dices of the, I guess, the modern sort of sort of era. Um, what did that mean to you? I mean, you are not an emotional type of guy. You're yeah. not the type to jump on the bonnet and carry on like a crazy yeah. man. But what did that mean to you and what does it mean to you now? It was pretty huge at the time, but I was surprised, to be honest, because we qualified – so fast at Phillip Island, so fast at Bathurst, went to Gold Coast. Car wasn't as quick. Like Jamie qualified fifth or sixth and actually said to me, sorry about that. Like I've sort of dropped you in the middle of all that. And I thought, mm, it's, fifth's not that bad. No, I could cope with this. It's yeah, okay. It's okay. Race started. The, triple, the FPR cars were just lit. They took off into the distance. I managed to get up to P3. So I thought, okay, that's not bad. And that was the year that when they came into the pit stop, the drivers weren't ready. Remember that? Yeah, 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 yeah. So we actually left the pits leading. Because I think that was the first year of the international That's drivers. Right. So yeah. um, I think Will Power was with Steve Richards yep. and Luke Yildon was with Frosty and, yeah, they had Keystone Cop stuff going on down yeah. there and Power wasn't ready. And, yep. Oh, disaster. So yeah. we got a bit of a free kick. We've, we've gone from being fifth or sixth quickest to leading after, after my stint. So... I was like, that's good for my end, but the car's not that fast. So I actually went and got changed. I thought, if you, if you can hang on a little bit, we might be good for a podium here, but I honestly didn't think we could win the race. And then Jamie being Jamie, just managed to drive the thing and hang on and here we are, we won the race. So it was a bit of a surprise. Mm. Yeah. Pleasant surprise though. Yeah, pleasant surprise. surprise. Yeah, but the thing I remember most about that is just the budgie smuggler suit. I remember when they gave it to me, I thought they were pulling the piss out of me. <laughs> 
I remember standing on the podium going, it still doesn't look any better on the podium. <laughs> no, because it was a Vodafone used to do lots of activations and stuff. And for the Gold Coast, they had a, I think there was a cap on the car, like a surf lifesaver life sponsored yeah. deal. Yeah. But the, the Vodafone like race suit had red, you know, um, budgie smugglers. On like the outside actually the on the outside suit. the way. Yep. So here you are in your great <laughs> moment of your first V8 supercar win. And you got some dick togs on. Yep, that's the one. <laughs> yeah. So if we're looking at the career graph here, we're up here. Like yep. we're winning a race. We've nearly won Bathurst. You've helped Jamie. He didn't win the championship that year, but Triple Eight did. I mean, they lost so many points with the various dramas at various yep. stages. It's the famous James Courtney, um, Jim Beam, Sydney win. But you get back in the main game. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and it's the Triple Eight Morris tying. Was was what you did at Triple Eight then just further underline things to Paul that you were because well, they were expanding from memory. It was kind of Roland tipping me into it to be yeah, honest. Right, okay. Yeah, Roland at the end of the enduro said, "Look, you're probably too good to be just a co-driver." Paul's got this team with Triple Eight cars. The drivers were a bit disillusional about the Triple Eight sort of. Set up, I guess you could call Because Murph it. and Russell had were there. Yeah, so they were there. they weren't convinced that following that triple eight model was working, and then Murph was going to Kelly's. Yep, yep. So Roland kind of went, well, "This all sort of lines up really well. You go and do that." Mm. So he, yeah, Roland was amazing. He sort of it was basically him that orchestrated it all. Yeah, yeah. So you end up in the VIP forty nine Paul Morris car, teammates yep. with Russell. Yep. Um, how was Russell as a teammate? No, he was good. Was he all right? Yeah, he's good. He's uh, we got along pretty well. We had a good understanding that you know, unless it's the last lap, if I come up to you or you come up to me, I'll let you go on the way it went. So mm. that was good, and we had some. Roland sort of sold it to me pretty well. We had really good support from Triple Eight, so you know we'd go to their debriefs and all that sort of stuff. So, but at the end of the day, it wasn't Triple Eight, mm. and we just didn't have the same level of success. Is that a people thing? Like, you, you, or you need more resource to go with the? You got the hardware, but you need the other stuff to go with it. Yeah, the way I look at it is, NASA can go to the moon with the rocket they built. If they gave me that rocket, I probably wouldn't get to the moon. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's <laughs> it's the car they built that they understand. They know why they built it that way, and then you give it to someone else, and it just doesn't. Never seems to be as good, you know. Mm. So. Um, but probably the, the key difference is just Roland. <laughs> like Roland is just – he's that all over everything that I think that's what – it all just filters down from the top, you know. He's mm. just that good at everything and managing every, everything that it's, um, it's hard to replicate Triple Eight. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Do you know how to find the right oil for your car? Now you can find out quickly and easily online thanks to Castrol's Rego to Oil tool. Simply type in your Rego, select your state, and within seconds you'll know the best Castrol products to unlock the edge of performance in your car. So what's your car best suited to? Just search Rego, the number two, and oil and find out. 2011 can't be talked about without Perth because that was <laughs> yeah. the – I mean, every year that the barbecue – Wanneroo, I should say. Every year that that round is coming up on telly, of course, out come the highlights – yeah. Out comes that accident again, replayed for the 90 millionth time. And 
because I'm really sorry to our listeners and to everyone watching and listening because they have to listen to me because I was in the commentary box yeah, that that's day. Yeah, right. Yep. And the and the horrible element to that was we didn't know it was you. Yeah. We did not like I look I was looking out the window because we were on the pit straight on the outside. Yeah. Saw Ryan Lestalled, flashback to the vision, flashback to outside in time to see the big flash. And the problem was that there was a black car, but you were a black car. Todd Kelly was a black car. Jack yeah. Daniels were black. That's there were right. other dark cars. And Rule 101 of television, I would hate to have ever called the wrong name that is yeah. in a frightening accident <laughs> yeah. that your family might be watching, you, you know, your mates and loved ones might be watching. And well, t- to be fair, looking at a picture of it there. Which um, you've got on your – your photo frame's popping up with the photos at exactly the time yeah. that we're talking about things. It, it's pretty hard to see who it was. Is yeah. that, there's that much fire on the car. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty hard to no see chance. who it was, yeah. Could not – I didn't want to say who because I didn't genuinely know who. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you knew it was definitely you, but <laughs> – um, what's your, I mean, what's your memories of, of all of that? Because I, it was I, just over in an instant. Yeah, well, that was the, probably the big thing. It was over in an instant. I, I obviously didn't see Carl there. Dave Reynolds had a, quite a good start and was, as you quite often see, when he's got a good start, he's trying to, he's not sure which lane he's going to choose because he's thinking, and then he just shot off to the right and I thought, oh, he's just going to go to the inside of that car and then obviously I was blindsided and... Mm. But yeah, I just remember the last thing I remember is thinking, uh, "I'm screwed here." And then I, I reckon the word was different <laughs> to "I'm screwed here." Yeah, yeah. Um, but remarkably, I just remember opening my eyes a second later and going, "I'm alright here. Mm. I'm actually not hurt." Like I thought I'd be waking up in hospital again. Um, I could have got out pretty quick. Like if you watch it back, I opened the driver's door within about sort of two or three seconds, but went. Mm, that's a lot of fire. Mm. Closed that, jumped over to the other side of the car, opened the passenger door, went, that's a lot of fire. Closed the door and just sat in the tunnel thinking... Well, in the middle of the in car. In the middle of the car thinking... Mm. Well, they better come and get me. The good thing is I knew I was close to the pits, so I thought, okay, that's probably the best place to have a fire. If you were down in the bowl, you might think about kicking windows out or something. But, yeah, thankfully it was actually a couple of the crew mm. from other teams that jumped over... Because by them sitting in the middle of the car for another ten or so seconds, it actually melted the door handles. So the on the outside or the inside on the inside. Yeah. So the door release that the driver pulls was had a plastic cap. That got so hot from the fire that the door handle dropped inside the door. Oh, so when I went to get out a second time, there was no, no door, door handle. handle. <laughs> so I went, oh, this is not good. <laughs> so luckily, by then the the Boys had opened the door from the outside and I jumped out. But some remarkably very little injuries. I, the hands device broke. So it, oh, really? It delam- the tethers? Delaminated. Or, it or was it from the fire? No, just from, from, the, the, just from the, the carbon all delaminated. So it was all – but it, I didn't have a sore neck at all. Mm. So it, it all worked really, really well. Mm. So it's um, – it's just one of those things. I, I don't change. It didn't change anything about the way I start. But what I do do now is, if I've got an option of running along the pit boxes or not running along the pit boxes, I don't run along the pit boxes. Just on the off chance that someone someone's will, still in a pit box. Yeah, yeah, mm, mm, makes sense. Yeah, makes sense. It's a good theory for the young drivers <laughs> out there. Um, instant thought was that car's a write-off. It's screwed. Yeah, but it lived on. It actually was repaired and, and was yeah. your car for the rest of the year. Yeah, they so that they. they Stripped it, 
measured up and went, oh, the whole thing's twisted. So, yeah, we, we, then they gave it a pull and it actually squared back up again and they went, oh, this is all right. Not so bad. Cut it off at the front, go again. Mm. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that deal rolled on. You stayed VIP, but the next year you're in a Falcon. Because <laughs> yeah. So I, I was, actually, I said this to you before we started chatting, but I would have thought you got a dog, VIP Pet Foods, sponsor, should be rolling in this stuff, shouldn't you? Like, yeah. That would be the first thing. Or were you, were you paid in pet food or did you sign a deal or what did you do? Yeah, I should have been. Um, no, we used to hand it out to the officials after the event as a bit of a thank you. But um, when, they still eat it now, but I have to pay for it, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> got to get a better deal, mate. You've never done good deals. Yeah, You've got to get on the deals. you got to get on the deals. So that, that was the year that the Morris team as a team – Stopped, but then ran the wreck out of DJR as part of that four car. Yeah, it was a bit of a licorice all sorts between <laughs> yeah. Dean Fiore and the Dudes franchise and new steering and the Jim Beam cars and Moffat and Stevie J and it was sort of this yeah. four car team at a but a bit of an interesting time in DJR sort of history it, there. Yeah. It, it wasn't a big cashed up sort of thing. Yeah, and that was the last year before Car of the Future. Hmm. So obviously. If you're struggling financially a little bit, you're not going to be putting money into the car that you're about to mm. throw away. So, yeah, it was it was a tricky time. DJ went from four cars that year to one the next year. So, yeah, it was it was an interesting year. It was we had some good results. We we're in the shootout Bathurst, and we had some. Right. I think we we're in probably four or five shootouts. Um, but yeah, the, uh, the the budget was a little bit skinny and that normally means skinny results. Was that the year that the dude picked up the loophole in the tyre rules at, That's the one. at Townsville where it was yep. that, that you couldn't – didn't say you couldn't reuse them or no, that you couldn't use different compounds. So or, the tyre yeah. rule was on one A4 page mm. and then they added a rule to say whatever the rule was and basically the bullet point that said you couldn't mix compounds fell off the bottom of the page and it disappeared. <laughs> so we, we knew about it before – that weekend, but we just wanted to because we knew we'd only get one shot at it. So we went to Townsville, qualified fourth, and went right. We're going to do Here's that. Here's the chance yeah. to play the card. Yeah. yeah. So we ran. It no longer said you couldn't mix the compounds. So we ran. A, you had to run the hard. You had to run the soft. So I ran a hard on the right front, which is the one that the least yeah, used tire around least, Townsville, yeah. and the car didn't feel that bad. So I managed to get through, and we led for quite a while. Um, but I think we ended up finishing fifth or sixth at the end there. I don't know. I can't remember what happened, but we just ran out of pace at the end. Um, so it was a little bit of a missed opportunity because then they changed the rule Saturday night and then that, that was it. That <laughs> opportunity was gone. Um, the dude's clearly been a big part of your world too yeah. through not just you know driving for PMM but, you know, Ryan was sort of tied in with, with yeah. him. And uh, Is he misunderstood by a lot of people, Paul? Yeah, probably. Mm. Yeah, he. he um, I mean, he's just a different character because he's grown up a different way to most people, and he thinks a bit differently. And you know, he's so. Yeah, he was um, probably. And back in the days when he was a full time driver, he probably got a bit of flack for sending a few blokes because he probably did, <laughs> which you can do when you've got yeah, your own yeah. race team, your yeah. own sponsor, and your own racetrack. Yeah. Um, so yeah, but he's also done a lot for young kids coming through as mm. well. So, which people probably just remember the bad things where he sent a few dudes, yeah. <laughs> and not the good things that he's done as yeah. well. Yeah, I think the the latter outweighs the the former there. Um, 
so then you had a really long run with FPR, Pro Drive, Tickford. It sort of morphed over the time that you were there. But yeah. I mean, what, 13 through to yeah, six, 18? Six, so, six years. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, you were with Will Davo the first year. Yeah. Um, I think you finished on the podium at Sandown. Um, Transaxle was pretty cooked there and lucky to yeah. actually get that one. Yeah, me. that's right. Um, and then you were with Frosty. So you've got to drive with some of these top line, you know, a wing cup. Um, Will Davos been championship contender, Bathurst winner. Frosty, of course, the year that he won the championship, you were part of um, of co-driving. Uh, pressure, like you know, you, you, they've picked you because you, you're good. They yeah. want the best co-driver they can get, but you got to do the job at a time when they're right up and about, and there's more than just those races on the line. But I, I always got the feeling that you dealt with that pretty well. And is the exterior of unflappability of Steve Owen? Is it a facade or is it legit? No, I, I didn't feel the pressure that – I do remember, though, when I first drove with Jamie, all the journos, because I used to never use my phone to race wedding weekend. I always put it away and just focus on what I had to do. And the journos kept saying to me, oh, you must be nervous. I'm like, no, nah, mate, I'm all right. And then by the time you've been asked that 20 times, you're like, shit, you blokes are all making me nervous. So I was like, I was like, <laughs> I was good you before you along. started talking. <laughs> so then I just, I just started getting my phone out and just trying to distract myself by playing silly games on your phone and it just got me away from that because I just went, as soon as I pull the helmet on, I'll be fine. But mm. these blokes were all starting to make me nervous. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going away and just going to start playing games on my phone until I need to pull Whatever the helmet works. on. Whatever works. And then I realised after the race, yeah, I was fine. Mm. So. Yeah. yeah, it didn't – because it, I felt like there was less pressure because they'd say, oh, you weren't far off off Frosty. That's good. I didn't have to match those guys. It wasn't your job. All, all I had to do was beat the, the co-drivers. Mm. Co-driver cup yeah. is, a, is a thing. Yeah. So even if I was half a second off the main driver, as long as I was one of the quickest co-drivers, they go, yeah, that's a good job. We'll sign you up next year. So mm. in a way it felt like I was – I could leave a little bit up my sleeve a little bit, make sure I came back, the car was straight. Still in the game. Yeah, and yeah. hand it back over with 30 to go at Bathurst and go, righto, boys, I've done my job. Mm. I'll hopefully, see, for hopefully see you on the podium. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So there was, I think, 14 and 15 with Frosty. Um, there was a win at the Sandown 500 yep. in 15, so his championship winning season where yep. it all really clicked in that FGX. Yeah. Um, second at Bathurst, which could have been – because you guys were delayed that day with we, some dramas, weren't you? We had – the brake lights failed. That's right. So yeah. the brake lights failed and they weren't sure what the fix was. So we got Black Flag to come and fix it. But they said to me, stay out and just keep going because we're working on basically. Getting the fix ready. Yeah, they, had, yeah. Like, they were building a whole new harness or whatever they were going to drop into it to fix it. So then we not only had to come in and fix that, but we got a penalty for not coming in within the three laps of mm. getting the black flag, which they knew they were going to get, but they're like, we'll that, cop it. that's a better option than coming in. Because we need to in. prep this and then otherwise you come in and you're parked up waiting for the fix to get That's right, yeah. Ready, so yeah. we got a drive-through penalty, but to be honest, we weren't – we didn't have the pace to quite win. We were probably – if we scraped on the podium, we would have been happy, but with a handful of laps to go, there was an incident in front of us at Turn 1, I think between Fabs and someone. I can't remember who – You're testing the memory bank now. But basically we, got, we went mm. from sort of P5, which is probably where our pace was, to then be sort of gifted a podium. Mm. So it wasn't like one of those opportunities where we went, uh, could've, could've we should have won that. We mm. were sort of on the podium looking at each other going, geez, that was a bit lucky. Mm. <laughs> so, And, you know, for his championship, it worked out well. So mm. it was one of those things where we all left and went, 
No, that was okay. Did you take a lot of pride out of the fact that you helped him win that championship? You contributed to him winning at Sandown, a podium at Bathurst, what you do on the Gold Coast. You're a part of that. He doesn't win that championship. He's, he's championship of championships without you. Yeah, that's right, yeah. And it was, it was good that we got along pretty well because he was sort of getting to the point, obviously, the pointy end of the championship where it's all starting to get serious. And the Enduros are such a big haul of points that mm. it's such a big factor in your championship. And so he was sort of – and I remember him saying to me, he's like, I feel a bit nervous. I look over in the garage and you're asleep in the corner. <laughs> and it's just – it's good. It's calming me down. It's making me realise that it's not, it's not actually that bad, you know. So we worked well together and – I didn't mind the way he used to set the car up, which is a bit unusual. A couple of other people struggle with it a little bit, but um, yeah, it was. It was. I was obviously watching the rest of the championship, cheering for him to to win it because um, I'd been in the car earlier in the mm. year. At this point, are you happy to be an enduro driver? This is your bag. You've, you've Absolutely. come to the content situation that hey, if I'm driving for one of the best teams, I've got a shot to win the biggest race every year. I'm I'm good with that. Absolutely. Right. Yeah, that was that was. Those six years at Tickford, I was in really good place. Just and every year you'd go to Bathurst, and you're expecting to come home with trophies, you know. <laughs> and yeah, so yeah, yeah. That's um, compared to looking back ten years earlier, where if you finish in the top ten in a privateer car, you're mm, that's like high fiving yourself. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it was, yeah, it was it was really nice to be able to go to those races and just be expecting to mm. win. Yeah. So there was then. Because um, oh, maybe you actually filled in. Remember, Chaz had busted his legs. So yep. You drove the last round in Sydney. So you actually, Frosty's teammate, when he won the championship, which I reckon a lot of people have forgotten about <laughs> completely. Because I've, I've actually nearly forgotten about that weekend, to be because honest. Because they wouldn't let Cam Waters do it because he had done, um, he'd filled in at Gold Coast with Russell, Philip Island, rounds, and yeah. Bookie. And of course, he was also still in the development series. So he couldn't do both on the same weekend because he was trying to win his Dunlop crown. Yeah. So. You actually, I think a lot of people will have forgotten that you drove the second car that weekend as a one-off. Yeah, yeah. You, you wouldn't have seen me much because it had a, <laughs> had a recurring electrical issue that the boys actually couldn't fix and they th- thought it was one thing and then you'd fix that. and then you'd th- So they literally, I think the car stopped four or five times over the course of the weekend. So, so there's probably a reason why you forgot that there's one. There's a reason why <laughs> you're, not many people remember that and, yeah, I don't, I don't, I've tried to forget that weekend as well. Sorry for raising it, sorry for raising it. <laughs> Couple of years with Chazzy, 16, 17, so there's a win on the Gold Coast. Was that one of the wet races from Yeah, that memory? was yeah, yeah. yeah wet so on the Gold was, Coast. So you had three wins in, in supercars as a co driver across the triple eight win and the two with well, I keep saying FBR, but Pro Drive. I think they were Pro Drive by that stage, but yeah. um, a bit of a mixture. Twenty eighteen you're in the Rabble car with Richie Stanaway, so that yep. was the sixth year of the six. Yep. Deal. So were you like, like locked in every year there or did you have to keep on rolling it over or did they just keep ringing every year and you're like, sure. it, it was always a two-year deal with an option. Um, and so basically they, they would have a co-driver report that comes out that shows your top 25 lap average relative to the main driver. So it's a bit, bit of a hmm. – it's like your the co-driver's co-driver holy car. grail basically. <laughs> you know? And as long as you ended up in the top sort of couple every year – um, in that, you, your contract just kept getting renewed. So mm. I think one year Shane's engineer, who I think it was Shippy back when he was doing it, he called me up and said, hey, do you want to come and drive with Shane? I said, man, I can't we're in a contract. And so I spoke to Tim and said, look, just on the off chance that 
next year you go, I'm down to three calves or whatever, let me just run it past you. Would you be happy for me to go and do that? And he said, no, I'll just sign it up again now. So then that, at one stage it ended up being four years long. Mm. So, um, But six years was a good run when I first got there. They were kind of arguing over who would get to have me in the, as a co-driver. And by the end of the six years, by then I was sort of mid to late 40s, they were kind of arguing over who was going to have to take me. So <laughs> six years was probably a good – and that's how Richie ended up with me, unfortunately, in the last year because, you know, by then I'd been seven, six years out of the seat full-time, late 40s. I wasn't getting quicker. So <laughs> I, I just went, oh, we'll plonk him over here with, with Richie Stanaway. So – then finally, so from 99 to 18, you're in it right every year. But 20, for 19, 20, you're, you're not. Yeah, so I did 20 Bathurst in a row and then that year with Richie and as much as I rate him and, you know, we got along quite well, but by the time I got there at round 10, it was it was like the driver and the team was already divorced. They but were they just, were still living together. They still had to live together till the end of the year, So correct. So it wasn't a great campaign. Um so it was a bit of a rabble, I guess you'd say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then I started two of the three enduros last. Mm. And I've, I've, I've probably still have nightmares about it. There's nothing worse than looking in the mirror and just seeing the fire truck. <laughs> yes, it's not a good feeling. And, I'm sure. and then you look again and think, actually, the fire truck's catching me as well. <laughs> <laughs> so that didn't do my stocks much good for the next year. So, of course, I've gone from being well-paid Tickford driver to watching on TV for the first time in 20 years. So there, there no gigs, no calls, you couldn't get anything happening? No one wanted to know? No, I couldn't. And, and to be honest, I thought, oh, I've done 20 years of this. I'm probably done. Mm. I'm, I've probably – I've had a good run. Mm. Maybe this is it. And then, uh, yeah, the opportunity to do it one more time with Webby came up the, in, in 2020, which was, which was really, really good. Because that was the COVID – the COVID Bathurst, I guess we'd yeah. call it, where I think you were with Chris Pither, weren't you, in yep. their, their second car. So was that the case really because you were here in Queensland and you weren't affected by the border issues and was that just a case of where they went, hey, we need someone, we need someone who's, you know, trustworthy, reliable and plus doesn't have to go on quarantine and yep. do all that stuff. Was it just the case that that just fit well or no. did you feel like you went, oh, I've just got, I want to do one more knowing that it might be my last rather than, I, yeah, I did I want to do one more because the one with Richie was not enjoyable. Mm. Like I remember, awkward. it was an awkward situation. Yeah, I mean, as much as we got along, but the, obviously the dynamics of the. For example, we came back from drivers' briefing and they had the engine out of our car on the Saturday night, and I said, "Well, what did, has someone given an over like an overrev, or what, is there a problem with the motor?" And they said, "No, no, it's all good." Um, Chaz wasn't happy with the motor in his car, so he's pulling it out. I'm like, well, how does that affect our car? They said, well, he, he, the motor he's not happy with is better than ours, so we're putting his motor in our car. And I said, whatever you do, don't tell Richie because <laughs> this is this is you probably shouldn't have even told me to be honest because mm. what you're basically telling me is that we're getting the we engine that he doesn't want. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, we don't matter. It wasn't yeah. it wasn't good, but um, so it wasn't a good way to think to end. But with that one more, I just went there with no pressure. And I just went, it's going to be nice to go and drive around and actually enjoy it because one thing that you probably forget when you're there and you're trying to win the race is that it should be enjoyable. Like yeah. it's actually yeah. – and you actually forget to enjoy it because with with a lot of the big-name sponsors, you, you do so many functions, so many signings. Mm. 
my mates would come to Bathurst and go, I'll, I'll catch up with you in the pits. I'm like, you won't see me. <laughs> I'll be, I'll I'll be, be on my way somewhere at the I'll, time I'll, I'll wave at you. Yeah, yeah, I'll be somewhere. So it is it is a a different sort of mentality. So it was just nice to go there one more time with no pressure with Chris and just to drive around and go, actually really enjoy this. Mm. Yeah. And, and would we – what we describe you as? Are you, are you semi-retired? Are you, you know, supercars and main gaming enduros, the high-level stuff you're sort of done with, but you're open to a bit of fun type stuff along the way? Yeah, I'm still doing as much as I can. Supercars, I'm obviously done. Um, I've got a bit of a problem in GT at the moment because I'm still gold-ranked. Ah, uh, yes. So you need to get yourself silvered or bronzed or something. I should be silver. Like most of the main game drivers are, are uh, full-time guys are gold and most of the co-drivers are silver that's that's how how it should work yeah, yeah. and for some reason every year when i apply they say no you're gold and based on what because you've had some wins in supercars i or? don't know it changed when we Chaz and i won the pertec enduro cup i went from silver to gold then but now i'm like but that's six years ago yeah yeah <laughs> and i'm 50 next year so you don't look it so that's okay cup, the, once I can get back to silver, I'll hopefully go and do some more GT stuff. But at the moment, you're a bit of a liability. You don't no absolutely. Wants to I'm the world's slowest yeah. gold driver. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, well, why would we put that bloke in, the, in in your car? Whereas when I get back to silver, then I can run in pro am and those sort of events at yeah. Bathurst. So hopefully you know, next year I'll be back to silver and I'll do some more GT stuff. But yeah, yeah, still doing as much as I can. Did the Bathurst six hour this year, and I'll do the Sandown 500 support in 86s as a guest driver. Yep. Do some XL racing, <laughs> which oh, is actually a lot more fun. It's good it. fun. It's good, it's really good fun. Yeah, yeah. You've done a bit of Thailand stuff too, like TA2 was, and yeah. I was doing a bit in Asia last year, which is which was a heap of fun. It's some some pretty cool circuits like Bangsan and Buriram, and so yeah, just still trying to do as much as I can. I'd, I'll probably always race something. Mm, um, yeah, why not? Why not? <laughs> yeah, yeah. any time you put a helmet on is a good day. Mm, yeah, it could be a lot worse. Could be a lot worse. One of the things I really love that. You take say about the Toyota series. See what a lot of our listeners might not have seen or heard, but um, you're like a driver. No, you're a tutor, a guide, a category mentor. Yeah, my you're a mentor. To, you're basically on hand to any of those young drivers want to come and have a chat. Yep, you're you're like a walking library. Yep, yeah. So I'm there to help them out with the data, all the sort of stuff because so many of them are so young these days. Just simple stuff that you wouldn't think about. It's just second nature. To um, yeah, you, driving they, a car, yeah. making sure they understand the safety car restart procedures and stuff like that and just, yeah, being there um, to just help them out basically. Mm. So you enjoying it? Yeah, oh, I love doing it. And it's, even to be able to be a guest driver at Sandown is going to be cool. Um, it's going to be a little bit weird because I've been helping them out. and <laughs> They're going to use what you're told make them sure against you. Make sure your third gear here, make sure your second gear here <laughs> and now I'm racing against them. <laughs> but, um, no, it's just, again, it's another it's another race. It's um, the, And Sandown's been a pretty special place for me over the years with the 500 and mm. racing in there. It was like a home track in Formula Ford. So it's nice to do one more round there as well before they tear it up and make it houses. Mm. Don't hurry that up. We want, to, we want to sneak a few more in, sneak a few more in. What rides did you turn down over the years? What were some of the opportunities that went, calls that didn't quite work out or deals that you went, ah, oh, shit, I should have taken that? There's not much that I've turned down. You said yes to pretty I'm, much I'm, everything. I'm pretty much if the phone rings and they say, do you want to, I'm already packing my bags, yep, I'll be there. Um, yeah, there hasn't been any really that I've looked back and gone, oh, I should have taken that deal. I've had a couple of deals that have been close and fallen over where you've, you've got a contract and then 
someone says, oh, actually, this has changed, the sponsor's pulled out or whatever, and I always just take it on the chin. I've been around long enough to, mm. to know that the commercial realities of motorsport, you know, if you if you got down on every opportunity that w- wasn't ideal, you'd be down a fair bit. It's a so, lot down. It's a lot so down. you just go, okay, um, that's not going to happen, we'll move on. But sometimes you look at those opportunities that didn't happen and think, well, that would have made a different outcome to now. Mm. So maybe it's a good thing that that fell over or whatever. So you've got to try and be positive about it and just mm. sort of move on. But, um, yeah, there's, there's not really anything that I won't try. Mm. No, no, it's, it's a good scenario to be in. There's nothing to regret really. Maybe you said yes to some things that in hindsight you go, ah, I shouldn't have said yes to that. But you never know how these things sort of That's right, pan yeah. out in the grand scheme. Yeah. Um, National Motor Racing Museum, a uh, great partner of ours up at Bathurst, and we do our couch racer questions for them where oh, the yeah. fans send in questions. Yeah. But the thing is because we've had such a great chat and we've covered so much ground, we've pretty much covered all of the questions that everyone's asked. There's only two that we haven't actually brought up in the chat. So just quickly, this is the same Josh Bucken who races in TCR, by the way. <laughs> yeah. When's the last time you were sick in a race car? Because that, that intimates that there's been multiple times. I've been sick. Well, like I've done so many races, it's just logical that you wouldn't be. I remember I had laryngitis when I drove that Kmart car. Um, that was pretty tough. Uh, Is he leading to something in particular? Not that there? I remember, no. I've done a bit of work with Joshy over the years. Um, I can't really recall... <laughs> I mean, I was pretty sick after that um, Clipsal 500 For good reason, meltdown. Right? Yeah, that was – but no, I can't really recall. I did um, did throw up on the warm-up lap of a go-kart race once. It might have been something to do with the 10 tequilas the night before. But <laughs> no, it's after the Clipsal, it was always a one-week – Plan to leading up to the race, so hydrating, no coffee, Lock it in. carb loading, all yeah. that sort of stuff. So you always obviously got to try and turn up there at your peak. I'm sure Josh will have a uh, secondary follow up when this is maybe you remember something that I've forgotten. Maybe you remember something you've conveniently <laughs> filed away and deleted from the memory bank. Uh, Brock Schaefer's quick question: What's the worst race car you've ever driven? Worst race car. The two words don't seem to go together that well, though, you know, because even a bad race car is still a race car. It's still a race car, yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's not. I remember the first time I got offered a gig in the XLs, and I was like, mm, is this where my career is heading? <laughs> but then I got there and I drove the thing in practice and went, it's actually a little bit of fun, this. And then I got into the race and went, this is actually a whole lot of fun. Because there's piles of these things. It's like going to the high carts. You're not blown away by the by the, the cart's ability, but mm. then you get 50 kids out there and you're all bashing into each other and having mm. the world's best race and you're just actually laughing in the, in the race. <laughs> it's so much fun. So, yeah, that's probably that's probably physically the worst race car, like front-wheel drive, no power, skinny tyres. But, man, fun. it's so much fun once you get going, yeah. yeah. It reminds you why you love racing yeah. to start with. Yeah. You know, for all the – Supercars, and you've done a fair bit of GT stuff with Lambos at the 12 hour, Roger Lago and yeah. Davy Russell and we did, stuff like that. We did that. the Spa 24 hour a couple of times right, in that car. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you got to do some cool stuff. And you ran one of those Mark cars at the 12 hour yep. a couple of years ago as well. So you've um, you've sort of had a crack at just about everything. There's yeah. not much you haven't had a go in. <laughs> no, I'm not, I'm not very selective. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's got wheels and it goes. Um, 
Mate, I just want to quickly for our, our listeners. So you ended up, you did 104 rounds of supercars, yep. 192 races. There were 31 development series rounds of which you won 10. You won one in three yeah, of okay. those that you lined up in. Uh, 81 races in the development series of which you won 20. So pretty much one in four of every race. Yeah, okay. And if you took out all those reverse grid races that were pretty hard to win if you'd won the first race. Yeah. I reckon that number probably looks a fair bit better. Um, <laughs> 21 Bathurst 1000 starts for 18 finishes, so not many DNFs in there. Two podiums, nine top tens, two shootout appearances, eight Bathurst 12 hours as well. I reckon that's a pretty good set of numbers. You, you happy with your body of work? Yeah, it sounds like a lot. Yeah, I feel old thinking about all You're that. Not <laughs> You're not that old. You're only as old as you feel, Steve. You're only as old as you feel. Yeah, if, uh, probably if I had a... Thought I was going to do 21 bathers when I first rolled that Formula Ford out of the trailer. I probably would have said, yeah, that's that'll mm. probably do me. <laughs> mm. We'll take it. We'll take it. Mate, thanks for sitting down. I, I know this is something that you haven't done a, a whole pile of. Yeah. Um, but I was thrilled to, to be able to come and sit down with you today and step through this because I reckon this is a story for a lot of young racers that if you, if you just keep on keeping on and if you keep, you know, meeting people and performing when you need to, um, you can go places and you can end up driving for the big teams and win some supercar races and, you know, you know, basically be a paid racing driver for what, you know, probably the last time that you weren't paid to race the cars a long time ago. Yeah, yes, and that's what I say to a lot of those young kids in 86 land because a lot of them get a bit negative about the, oh, it's all about money, and all, which, which, which it is, but... If I can get to 20 Bathurst starts with no money and horrible commercial skills, then maybe you can as well. <laughs> so hang in there. <laughs> we would recommend, though, try to work on those commercial skills. Try and skills, work on though. the commercial skills, yeah. Steve, thanks so much, mate. Great stuff. Cheers, mate. Well, that was my chat with Steve Owen. Hope you enjoyed it as much as I did doing it. A big thanks, too, to Steve for not just the time but for opening his place up and hosting as well. It was great to see him. Great to go down memory lane too and step through some of his racing career, some of the stuff that we remembered, some of the stuff I'd forgotten and some of the stuff that I just didn't even know to begin with. He's still so quiet, uh, so unassuming, with such an impressive motor racing resume. He's such a great resource for the kids in the Toyota Gazoo Racing Australia 86 series to be able to tap into. Hope you enjoyed this episode. That's me done for this week. Uh, join me next week, V8 Salute Podcast, polished by Bowden's own premium car care. I'll be back with another episode. Thanks for tuning in. Send us your feedback too via the form on the V8 Salute website. Whether there's a guest that you'd like to hear from in the future, a question that you've got for a Q&A, or maybe some general feedback, good, bad or indifferent, we love to hear from you. Really appreciate the listeners who support this podcast week in, week out. All right, I'm done. Hope you enjoyed part two of Steve Owen. I'll chat with you again very soon. Do you know how to find the right oil for your car? Now you can find out quickly and easily online. Thanks to Castrol's Rego to Oil tool. Simply type in your Rego, select your state, and within seconds you'll know the best Castrol products to unlock the edge of performance in your car. So what's your car best suited to? Just search Rego, the number two, and oil and find out.